it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 118. We are back with another session of answer question mode. We got some other fantastic questions. You guys are sending us some great stuff, and this is a lot of fun. So Andrew and I get to answer some questions and try to help you guys learn a thing or two. So I'm going to go ahead and read our first question, and Andrew and I will do our little give a take. So first of all, it says, hi, Andrew. I want to start off by saying thank you for the time and effort you put into your podcast. As a beginner, I can honestly say that every podcast I've listened to so far has been a little pot of gold for gaining knowledge and investing. I really appreciate it. I'm a 21-year-old from the UK who recently came into some inheritance due to my father passing away unexpectedly. I'm looking for the wisest ways to invest this and creating a solid portfolio I can build on. At the moment, I've invested a large sum of money through Hargraves, Lansdowne, Stocks and Shares ISA into Vanguard Life Strategy 100% Equity, which I plan on keeping in there to grow over the next 10, 15 years. But I feel like there isn't any anywhere near enough. I have a few questions I hope you'd be able to find the time to answer. First question. I hear you talk about aiming for around 20 funds to invest in to minimize any loss. Would you advise that I invest in 20 funds over a course of, say, two years or aim to invest larger sums of money into four to five funds over a course of two years and keep adding from the money which is returning from these? Andrew, what are your thoughts? First thing, uh, so sorry for your loss. I can't even imagine. Um, Having said, okay, so... I'll try not to jump ahead. I did read the questions previously, so I'll try not to jump ahead. Uh, specifically, when you talk about 20 funds, I'm assuming he, he meant to say 20 stocks. So let's recap why we do that. 
there's been a lot of research and data that shows that a portfolio of the size of 15 to 20 stocks has tended to be uh, pretty optimal for investors. So the reason behind that is once you get above 30 stocks, um, your returns start to mimic the stock market. And so at that point, it's like, well, why am I picking stocks when I might as well just buy an index? So when you buy uh, around you know that many stocks, then then you tend to get results that are similar to just having the whole stock market. So that's kind of the first reason why you have that upper limit of twenty stocks. Second reason, and, and by the way, this isn't just like value investors, um, kind of like business nerds like me and Dave. It's it's also like if you've heard of trend following and technical analysts and analysis. They also, a lot of them tend to follow the same portfolio approach. They just call it different terms. So instead of saying diversified into 20 stocks, they'll say have a position size of 5% or less. And so position size of 5%, that's the same as having a portfolio of 20 stocks. It's just 100% divided by 20. That's 5%. So, and then when you, when you get to the 15%, that's having enough diversification where one stock doesn't kill you. So, I mean, if you had like 10 stocks, you could have one stock that drops, um, let's say 50%, that would be a 5% hit to your portfolio. That might be a little bit too much than you'd be comfortable with. And so that's why the 20 is there. And so it's like not one, not one individual stocks really making you super nervous and, and, and making you, your returns like too volatile over time. When it comes to adding those in and, and kind of building that, I've always had the approach, and, and this is something I've taught over the years and something I've done myself, where when you're first building a portfolio, you want to average out and, and don't try to, you don't want to like take all these stocks and buy 20 at once. So for, for several reasons, and sometimes I feel like I'm a broken record, but there might be some of you who haven't heard this. Reason number one is it's very unlikely that you're going to find 20 great bargains on stocks in in one month. So you, you kind of want to spread. The reason for spreading it out is is to do that. So I did this. Okay, so I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna say. Obviously, I can't give personalized advice. I'm gonna say what I would do if I were in your shoes. And I would also say that it's going to be different from what I did for these reasons. So I had about $20,000 that I had in a 401k from an old job. So I started a new job. And as you do that, you know you can't contribute to the old 401k anymore. So it's a good time to roll over into an IRA. So I rolled, I think I had a 401k and a Roth 401k. So I rolled, I was around 10 or 15,000 into a regular IRA and then around five or 10,000 into a Roth IRA from the Roth 401k. And so now I had all this money. It was just a a big pile of cash that was sitting in my IRAs that was not invested. So I didn't want to just build that into 20 stocks for the reason I just said. Um, So what I did instead was I I split it into 10. So I could have done 20 like, like a like when I first started the portfolio, the uh, the real money portfolio, which is the e-letter that 
tracks the real money portfolio just to recap $150 a month put into the market every month and with a with a stock pick every month that I'm sending out to paid subscribers so with that it was one new stock a month and so it was like the first month was one stock after 5 months we had five stocks and then finally it took about 2 years to build a fully diversified portfolio uh, with the large sum of money, I just split it into ten because I wanted. You know, we've we've done episodes in the past where we've talked about how time in the market is more important than timing the market. So ideally, you want to get that money in the market as soon as possible. But you know, and this is a very important but. You, you want to make sure you're comfortable with your skill level and also. I think it's it's good to kind of dollar cost average and spread it out over time, um, depending on how you feel the market level is. So I I wanted to take advantage of time in the market. And so that's why I didn't split the $20,000 into 20 months. But then I also didn't want to put all my, my whole 20000 in the very beginning because that could have been really subject to, you know... Uh, for one, I'm not, like I said before, I'm not able to split that into 20 stocks, right? So uh, I'm really not diversifying myself that much. Uh, so 10 was kind of like a happy medium. That said, also, and this is very important as well, I had been in the market for several years. So I was very comfortable with um, putting that much money in the market, very comfortable with having had a lot of money at stake in the market. So I think that's a huge factor and contributor to how this decision gets made for somebody who's in a similar situation. Based on the rest of the email and the entire email, um, I'm sorry, what's his? Uh, Thomas. Thomas is obviously very new. He's 21, so uh, he's already getting a huge head start on the market, right? I mean, I didn't start investing until I was 23, 24, and then really seriously making a commitment with the e-letter at 25. So he has more than 40 years to compound. So I think time in the market isn't necessarily as much of a factor as how comfortable are you, how skilled are you, and how likely is it that you're going to make, you know, you don't have to make perfect investments, but decent investments that you can confidently kind of stick your flag in and say, when the market goes bad, I'm going to stay by stick with these investments. Uh, I'm very confident with where my skill level is at now, where I feel like the stocks I've picked are good businesses. I understand why they're good businesses. I know what the numbers are that tells us that they're good businesses. Um, all of those sort of things. And so being in a, what I believe is a kind of like a similar to an index ETF. I'm not, I'm not big on the UK <laughs> investment vehicles, but if that's what it sounds like, then I think having a plan where maybe you're eventually phasing that out is great. But I think, so what I would do in that situation, and this is coming from coming from where I've been and, and what decisions I made in the market, I loved... I love and I always talk about the idea of picking a dollar amount and putting that into the market and telling yourself that you're going to put that same dollar amount every single month. So looking at your budget, seeing you know how much can I 
do that's still allows me to live my life, but also kind of sets me up for greater success over the very long term. And then just doing that every month. So once you have that dollar amount and you're doing that every month, that's building your diversification. And so it take again, if, if you follow what I did, that took about two years. And then separately, you have this other money that's that's a much greater amount. I don't know how much the inheritance is, but I'm assuming it's probably significant. And you have to think the strategy changes when you're going from growing a portfolio from scratch to managing money depending on how much you know what what's how significant is the size of money is it enough where you can retire today you know what i mean and then that strategy might look different than if it's maybe half of what you need to retire and so maybe you take a more conservative approach to get it to to complete that other half i guess there's just so many factors when it comes to the size of it. Um, But the biggest factor when it comes to kind of diversifying into 20 funds and doing that and picking how long you're going to make that process for yourself, I think having a skill level and having an honest assessment of where your skill level is as an investor, um, how much experience you have and how significant this money is and how much kind of advantage you can get by managing it yourself versus letting it sit passively. I think that's more that'll lead you closer and get you warmer to having the type of results I think that most people would want to have versus maybe you know jumping in and and, and getting over your head and maybe losing money or reacting kind of Knee, like having a knee-jerk reaction where you're selling the stock prematurely just because you weren't, you're not used to seeing the balances fluctuate up and down. That's a huge thing when you first start out is getting comfortable with looking at your account and seeing that a stock might be down 10%. And then you see that dollar amount and it's like, oh, you're down you know, $500. That kind of hurts when you first start out. But over time, as you get more comfortable, then you can start to get comfortable uh, with big amounts. And so I think that's why I kind of lean towards the building a portfolio with, with the dollar cost averaging amount and then kind of taking a larger sum and implementing that. And, you know, there's no rush at the age of 21 to really um, try to optimize your investment returns right from the gate. I think just having it invested somewhere and then maybe as you get more comfortable kind of making moves later on. I think that's that's what I would do if I was that age at that kind of knowledge level and, and really trying to figure things out for the first time. As a finance nerd, you would assume that I have my money game all together. Well, shocker, I didn't. Until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app, more so than my bank because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things I want to do, is my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. 
Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving the product. They release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's excellent. That's some great advice, and I would agree with what Andrew was saying completely. Uh, Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Due to little slash next to no knowledge of the stock market, would you advise I trial creating my portfolio with a small amount of money first, or would you advise I invest everything I can afford at the moment? I know a lot of people say micro-investment equals micro-wealth, and trialing may take up precious time. I could be investing for real. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just kind of answered that, so that makes it easy, right? Basically, (laughs) I would would get that dollar cost averaging amount. I would figure out what that is, and I would would put that in right away. And so you're getting that precious time that's compounding, but you're also getting experience, and at the same time, you're not blowing up an inheritance. Yep, I would agree with that too. I, you know, the you got to dip your toes in to get wet, and the only way you can swim is to get in the pool. And so, you know, you you gotta you gotta take off the you know, gonna blank on the <laughs> term. The floaties, you, you basically, the training wheels. Yeah, the floaties. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the training. Take off the training wheels and and dip your toes in and try. Uh, and I think we could probably answer that with the next question: What's the best strategy to choosing a dividend fund? Is it worth going for the stable funds like Apple, Facebook, et cetera, for my first few funds I invest in? What are your thoughts, Andrew? I think for like a first stock, I think, yeah, any of the big names, that's great. Uh, we've talked in the past, Our both of our first stocks was Microsoft. 
and I still yep. own it, and it's very nostalgic for me, you know. So yeah, me I too. Love, and it's ironically been one of my best investments, probably too. But I think that a lot, a lot of that has to do with that was my first one, and so I was getting in really when the when the market was a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I guess moving forward, you know, a dividend fund, or you know, I, I think again he meant to say a dividend stock. You really want to start to learn about the financials, about how, what, what, why is a stock good? Why is a business good? So if you think about why, whether, why are businesses even there and what do they do? What's their function? Uh, A business is basically there to make a profit. Somebody opens a business and owns a business and they're going to maybe sell some products. They're going to maybe serve people some food. But the idea is whatever the cost is, and uh, you want to bring in more than it costs and that keeps you in business. And somebody who's a business owner, they can take that money and they can either use it to hire more employees or they can use it to take vacations, uh, you know, in the Caribbean or whatever, but you need profits to, to make that happen first and foremost. And so in general, it's going to be the businesses that are best able to do that, that are going to be better stock picks. Now, what's great about Wall Street and the stock market is that the, these numbers, you know, how much they made in profit last year, those are all publicly available. I could pull up on my computer right now and see exactly how much Apple made in profit. And because I have the experience and the knowledge and, I, and I've, here's the key, I think, I've taken the initiative to teach myself and you know, luckily for people who are looking to teach themselves, that's all we do is teach, teach, teach. So you can learn from what what we've learned. Uh, learning those metrics and, and how to make context on the numbers and understand the numbers. And then you can start to make determinations. And so when you talk about the stock market and why it's worked to make so many people so much money over time, it's because companies are able to grow their profits every year. And so as the as the earnings grow, Wall Street tends to follow. And especially over the very long term, it's the businesses that get bigger and bigger that tend to have higher stock prices. And so based on those kind of basics, that's that's why the stock market works as it does. And that's why you can take advantage of that too. That's what I love about it. I mean, if you you go down to um your local small business and ask the owners like, Hey, how much did you make in profit last year? He's probably going to tell you the F off. Right. Um, but you can do this for all the big businesses. And so even getting started and I think kind of putting this in a complete circle, getting that dollar cost averaging, getting your feet wet, and then maybe trying to approach, you know, when you're building a portfolio, if you're dollar cost averaging, you're really building brick by brick. You're not, you're not trying to get rich overnight. You're really looking at this like, hey, this is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Uh, the compounding that starts now is going to build my wealth for the next, you know, next year it will, the next five years it will, in 10 years it will. And, and it's just, it's going to be this big snowball that I'm going to grow. And that's going to be my wealth that can uh, fund whatever I want to fund in the future. So, 
with that, I think your skill level and how much you learn about the stock market and about stocks, uh, that compounds and grows over time too. So maybe the very first month, your goal is, hey, I just want to buy a stock that I like and see what it's like to have a stock. See what it's like to see my balance move up and down. See what it's like when a news article will come out on my stock and then it will drop 3%. See what those things are like. And then the next month, maybe you're like, I want to make a stock purchase based on the price to earnings ratio and the stock that I felt great about the price to earnings ratio. And then you're just kind of building from there and trying to learn more and more and more. And so maybe that those first 12 stocks you buy maybe aren't the best performing stocks of your life, but it's building that foundation. And then maybe it's the second year of stocks that you buy. Maybe those drive crazy returns compared to the first year. It's I think that's that's the approach I would take and not really a strategy of like, hey, I'm going to try to have the best strategy from day one, but building your own strategy and skill set over time I think is going to be far more rewarding and probably a lot easier to sustain than trying to do it all at once. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I like that idea. And I, the thing I guess I would throw out there about the best strategy is it really going to come down to you because your passion level or your interest in learning as much about the, the companies that you're going to invest in, it may not be as much as Andrew and I, or maybe more than us. And so the strategy that, that we try to utilize may not necessarily work the best for you. And you may be, you know, somebody that really, really gets into this and has the time and the energy to really, really dig into this and, you know, get fully immersed in it. And then again, you know, somebody may not be as, you know, they just don't have the time or it's, it's interesting to them, but it's not something that they want to spend, you know, every waking moment, you know, reading 10 Ks. Uh, so it really kind of depends on what your interest level is. And that's going to help determine what your best strategy is. And, you know, something that I wanted to throw out there as a, as a possible idea of looking for a company or two to buy first to make them your trial balloons, if you will, is look at somebody like a, a dividend aristocrat. And if you're not familiar with what those are, uh, those are companies that have been paying a rising dividend for over 25 years, uh, are a certain market cap, and I believe are in the S&P 500. I think those are requirements. Am I correct on that? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we we did right. an episode on it. We had a, a yeah, we expert did. <laughs> Reynolds on the on the dividend aristocrats. I know yes. it's super easy to pull up. You just uh you can get a list just immediately on Google. So yeah, it's very easy to find. So anyway, irregardless of what the requirements are, dividend aristocrats are companies that have been paying a dividend for a very long time, a rising dividend, which is obviously awesome. They've been doing it for a long time. They've been in business for at least 25 years, if not longer, and they're really stable companies. Are they going to be you know, these huge growth machines that are going to make you gazillions of dollars? Probably not, but... They are companies that are going to be stable. They're not going to go bankrupt overnight. They're not going to be a big risk or a big gamble to get into something as opposed to like maybe buying into the latest shiny thing like a marijuana stock or something like that. 
So instead of doing something like that, you pick something like, you know, a boring company like Disney or McDonald's or Apple or any of those companies. Buying one or two of those is, you know, like Andrew said, it may not be the greatest growth machine you've ever had in your portfolio for the rest of your life, but they're a great place to start and they're safe and they're stable. And it may go down a little bit. It may go up a little bit. It won't be huge either way, but you'll still be having dividends that you can reinvest in the company. And they could be a great way for you to start to kind of learn how investing in a a company works and learn all the different ins and outs of of that particular company. And because they're so stable, you can go to bed at night and not worry about, oh my God, you know, I got this bad news and, you know, Johnson and Johnson is going to go out of business. Well, that's not going to happen. So unless there's the end of the world and then obviously we got bigger things to worry about, but uh, you know, I guess that's, you know, one thing that I would definitely recommend to somebody that's newer is look at some of those kinds of companies first to kind of use those as your building blocks, like Andrew was talking about, to help you learn how to invest in a company. Look at the PE ratio, the price to book, uh, the dividend you know, yield that they give you, how long they've been paying a dividend. Is their revenue rising? Is it not rising? You know, What kind of things do they make? What kinds of things do they sell? All those kinds of things are things that you can learn. And when you're doing it by buying a company like Disney, for example, <clears throat> you're going to feel comfortable owning it because it's a stable company. It's a good company. They've been around for a long time and it's not a big risk. And you're not like, you know, your finger isn't going to be twitching when you go to press the button to make the sale. Whereas if you buy something else, that's a little more, you know, ambiguous like that. You might be, ah, this might be scary, but buying Disney is not going to be scary. It's like going to the store and buying a coffee. It's like, Oh, okay, great. So hopefully that helps. I love that idea to check out the dividend aristocrats, get that drip going immediately. Love that. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's finish up his his thoughts. Uh, so his last little bit was, I'm setting myself goals each week, month, and year for savings and investment plans. And I hope in the future I can make myself enough to live a happy, fulfilled life and make my dad proud. Uh, Thanks again for your time. Kind regards, Thomas. Well, Thomas, I think you're going to make your dad proud. You know, I think this is you're on the right track, and this is this is great. I'm I'm really proud of you for doing this. Uh, takes a takes a uh, it's you know it's a great thing for you to start, and you know when you someday have a family, you can pass this on to your to your kids as well. So that's awesome. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. All right. Hey, Andrew. Okay. I'm only 17 years old, almost 18, two more months. Once I turn 18, I can open a TFSA account. I'm a Canadian, by the way, and can start investing. With my bank, there is a commission of $9.95 per equity per stock, which is way too overpriced. So the question I have is, how do I invest in stocks with a much cheaper commission? Should I use a brokerage or maybe open an account with another bank? What would you say is a good price for a commission per equity or per 100 equities? Thanks for your helpful emails. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Andrew? Yeah, good questions. So back on, uh, I'm pulling up the archives here. So back on. Because you're the good, you're the good (laughs) co-host. Right. Uh, episode 88, uh, we had Braden Dennis. He is our Canadian expert. And so he has recommended Quest Trade. 
So Questrade is a Canadian brokerage. They do 495 um, trade commission fees. So that's a lot more reasonable than 995. And, you know, it might not sound like a lot, but when you're talking about your investments, particularly if you're starting out small, that's going to eat up a lot of return. And so having a commission at 495 versus 995 allows you to kind of get in uh, with a lower investment amount. So I know Braden, he's over at stratosphereinvesting.com. He has an investing course for beginners who are in Canada. And inside of that, he has a deal. Um, I believe you get like $50 free for opening an account with Quest Trade, something like that. Don't take my word for it 100%. But if you're Canadian and you're looking for a brokerage and you want somebody with low commissions, that's that's kind of your perfect option. When it comes to what is a good price for commission, that's a really good question. And it's a big reason on why I set that $150 a month kind of goal. So several reasons, right? Again, I have an e-letter that I publish and there's a real money portfolio invests $150 per month. And I started it when I was 25 and it's going to run until I'm 65. So for the year time period, if you get 11% returns, which would be 1% more than the average stock market return has been for many, many decades, then you would have over a million dollars. So that was kind of like one reason, $150 to a million. That sounds really cool. And I think it's a a reasonable goal to have like a 1% outperformance per year. That's not, it's not like we're Warren Buffett with 25% a year. We're not Benjamin Graham with 17% a year. I'm talking about 1% a year of outperformance. It's not, maybe it's not a crazy goal. Second thing, obviously a million dollars sounds really cool. And third thing is when you compare what a commission is to $150, it kind of gives you a good... Um, so if you do... 495 is the commission fee for Ally, which is the one, the broker I use for my Roth IRA. And my um, I have a couple accounts. So I use them for that. And um, 495 out of 150, that's 3.3%. So if you think we're hopefully buying these stocks and holding them for 10, 20 years, 3% loss off the bat isn't terrible. Um, if you're buying like a dividend stock that that's one of those higher yield dividends, uh, you're making that back in the first year just from the dividend. So that's kind of why I picked 150 because you take a 3% loss off the bat with the commission fee, but it's not terrible. I think over time, it's something that can definitely be more than made up for with a good stock. And you can even make up for it with, with a really good dividend yield in that first year. Uh, so that kind of that I think that helps kind of going back to the first question too when it's you ask the question how much should I dollar cost average per month keep in mind how much the commission fees are and so like for an example if you did a $50 a month thing instead of $150 now you're looking at like 9% right 9% uh loss right off the bat because of your commission fees so that's probably not as good um if you had average returns, that's your whole first year gone. I would prefer not to have that. And so maybe in that case, either you're raising how much you're investing or instead of making a commission trade every month, you're making it every three months to 
to soften the blow of those those commissions. You do have other um, platforms that offer free commissions, but nothing's ever really free. So always look into why they offer free commissions. You're going to be paying for it somewhere else. Those would be my thoughts on kind of starting young, having small amounts to start out with, and really making sure your commission fees aren't eating up too much of your returns. That's great advice. And I think that is something that is not talked about enough because one of the two ways that you can really hurt yourself with your investments uh, unknowingly is the commissions that we pay and not, you know, factoring that in to the amount that we're investing and the returns that we're going to get. And the other one is taxes. And so both of those are things that you need to have an idea of what you're doing when you start looking at investing uh, because those are two things that can eat up your profits very, very quickly if you're not careful and aren't aware of those. And it's, it's just something that it just isn't talked about enough. So I'm glad you asked that question, Jack. That's a very important question. And it's uh, it's something that needs to be addressed from time to time so people are aware of those those ideas. All right, so let's move on. Uh, the next question we have is, hey, Andrew, I've been listening to your podcast for a while and really enjoy it. Question that I haven't heard answered or may have missed. How do you become enrolled in Drip? I use Robinhood and haven't seen that option there. Do different platforms offer it as an option or how do I get enrolled with it? Thanks for all the sound value investing advice, Greg. Drip King has spoken. Andrew? About to speak. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Robinhood doesn't offer Drip. We've covered that in the past. And (laughs) I saw an article recently a couple days ago where somebody was giving the idea of like uh, you can manually drip with Robin hood by just collecting the dividends and then buying shares, which kind of defeats the purpose. And it's like uh, you would have to be investing a lot to get shares. And it's, it just, it doesn't make sense for the majority of people. Like most people use Robin hood because they want the free commission. So usually they don't have as much money to invest or they're just starting out. And so somebody is not going to have who's just starting to invest and probably won't have enough money to make a manual drip happen just because you need the fractional shares. So anyway, <laughs> uh, even though there's people online who are trying to say that you can manually Robin Hood drip, you still can't. You can't really do a real drip. So I have two brokerage accounts and each of those I've enrolled in drip and each of those I had to do differently. So for Merrill edge, they have an option where you can go in the menu online and, and you kind of go through the, the drop downs and then there's a dividend reinvestment section. You click on that and then it shows you each individual position and you can pick from a drop down that, hey, I want to receive cash or I want to reinvest dividends automatically. What's annoying about it is you have to wait in order to see that. So as an example, if I buy a stock with Merrill Edge today, um, I would have to wait, I think it is a month, and then go back to the tab and then select um, drip for that stock. And you have to do that every single time you buy a stock. Super annoying. With Ally, all you have to do is you make one phone call. You let them know, hey, I want to drip all my positions. They set it up and then that's automatic and you never have to do anything like that again. With other brokers, I don't know what the process is, but 
generally if your brokerage isn't like i would just call get on the phone and call and it's like if they're not picking up in a reasonable amount of time that's one of the reasons i like allies because they they their whole times aren't that bad at least the last time i called them so i think uh it's reasonable to expect your brokerage to pick up when you call and they can let you know if you can't find it online yeah that's great that's great advice and allies uh Service has always been impeccable. They're one of the better companies out there that I've ever encountered. So yeah, I totally, totally agree with everything Andrew was saying. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our conversation for this evening. Uh, thank you guys for the fantastic questions. That was a lot of fun. There was a lot of great stuff in there and we got to hear the Derp King make an appearance. So that's always, a, that's always fun too. So, all right. So. Uh, again, we'd like to thank you guys for sending in the great questions. Please, please keep them coming. That's a lot of fun for us. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would also love it if you guys would take a moment and give us a review on iTunes. Uh, any kind of five-star rating, if you feel so inclined, would help us greatly because the more great reviews we get, the more people can see us and the more people we can help because this is what we're trying to do is help everybody learn more about investing. So without any further ado, go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on safety. Have a great week and we'll see you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.